The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And joining us this week in Manhattan prison from the next reel and Marvel Movie Minute, Pete Wright. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Ah, it's, it's great to, to finally be here and, uh, and talk about this much. You know, I just have to tell you straight out of the gate. Yes. I have learned so much from your podcast already. And I'm, I am not caught up. I know today, uh, I guess today or whatever, the most recent one you're talking about slag. And it breaks my heart that I didn't have time to listen to that episode before I come on today. But as we record this, but I have learned so much about, uh, military weapons about (laughs) like, if you haven't listened from the beginning people, I'm just saying, Go back to the beginning because it's really great. There has been some <laughs> fantastic and educational material on this very podcast. I am deeply honored to be here. Oh my god! I That's know. amazing. I mean, wow! Thank well, you. Let's, let's just end the episode right now. That was minute eighty-five of a. I, <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to go get my bottle of wine and just close up shop. That's. Shit. Don't worry, everybody. The Duke is brooding. It's okay. Just go on about your business. The show's great. Start start episode one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, all right. We're in minute 85 now that Molly and I have been sufficiently placed on a pedestal here. Outstanding. Uh, My the minute starts uh, with uh, the Duke uh, following Snake's lead and also pulling a Dukes of Hazard here. And the minute ends with, unfortunately, the taxi being blown in half. Um, So the mines started going off in the last minute that we had been hearing about so much throughout this movie. And I'm I'm a bit unimpressed in the first half of this minute with the mines because the Duke's car keeps getting hit by him. And it just kind of makes Duke shift in his seat a little. Doesn't really do anything. Uh, So like the first, you know... 40 seconds or so of this minute, I'm, I'm really not feeling the danger from these mines. Oh, no, I don't either. And I, I feel like I really struggle with it because, I, you know, and I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing about IEDs. And, <laughs> but the, the whole the whole idea, uh, as I gather it, is that these improvised explosives, they're, they're hiding in debris, right? So you don't know what they are. You, you think it's something else. And it turns out, surprise, it's an explosive. With all of the perspective shots from the car show a completely clear path through the... I mean, if you've ever played any video games, you can make it through the path of clear pavement as you go <laughs> around these cars. I, I feel like they're just they're just sort of improvisational explosive devices. What is it that sets these things off? And I should add, what do we think are their options in this fictitious 1997 for hiding explosives that are akin to, I think, 4th of July fireworks. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I don't see it. <laughs> I know we came up with the theory uh, with our last guest that maybe they were actually, uh, holes were, were drilled in the surface and then the bombs were put in, the mines were put in, and then maybe concrete was poured back over them. And that's why we don't see them, but maybe with like a pressure trigger or something. So... Mm-hmm. 
that's what would set them off. I mean, we couldn't really come up with any other thing that would work in universe. I, I feel like, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. We've spent 84 minutes with this group of clowns. Do we really think that they're drilling holes in concrete and planting very precise explosives? Really? <laughs> I, I applaud the idea, but really, they are clowns. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're, you're not, you are not as, as complimentary as you were of Molly and I, U.S. police force, not so complimentary. You, <laughs> that's, okay, that's fair. That's fair. And I would absolutely trust you and Molly to go plant explosive devices <laughs> on any sort of protective bridge. I would trust Eric with that job because he's really thorough. You know? <laughs> See, and I was like, going to say, I, I wouldn't trust me at all. With <laughs> uh, <laughs> Molly, Molly just leaves them out on the side of the bridge. <laughs> oh, I, I was supposed to bury those? No, I mean, I'd be kind of like, I'll just toss it in the car that's kind of off to the side. I mean, who the fuck's going to look, right? You know? Half is as good as a feast. I'm out, everybody. <laughs> like, whatever. I'm not getting paid over time for this. This is government right. work. Like, whatever. Right. Right. You know, I think I'd probably just like just get more out there. And that's always been kind of my concern about this is that, you know, if you really want to do an efficient job, because some of this just seems like psychological warfare to me, that it's if you really want to do a job, it's just like, why don't you just mine the shit out of it? You know, like, why do you not have three mines every like two feet? You know, I think I might take that one step further, Molly, and just ask the question, why is the bridge still there? Uh, they've they've done such an exceptional job of building this wall. Why do they need, like, why did they elect to keep a bridge and pile it full of explosives that are ultimately going to damage the bridge uh, if, if they're ever tripped? Like, why in this world do we have a bridge? And so this is this is what I, I look at as sort of, uh, I guess, the the... Uh, uh, literary criticism function would be like Watsonian versus Doyleist, right? The, you know, what happens uh, in the story that the author set up uh, as a function because he needed a plot device to get us to the other side. In this case, literally, we needed to get our protagonist to the other side of, of this bridge. That is a, a Doyleist kind of mechanism, something that the author did, that there isn't a strong relationship to the narrative to get there. If you think too hard about it, it, it will stop you in your tracks, and you'll have to think about it. it, it the the think Watsonian... too hard about it in a movie by minute podcast? No. Yeah. <laughs> noted i'm gonna keep going uh, a watsonian uh, uh, sort of answer to that would be blow up the bridge like there is no necessity for the bridge to be there when we've already no- said that it's full of prisoners we want to keep to to reduce any chance for them getting off of this island there is no need for a bridge that would help sort of uh, uh, you know draw them to that conclusion so i i think this movie is just ripe with those kinds of questions that are you know the, the watsonian versus doyleist uh, um, approach and i think it's really interesting to see what um you know what he he did as he's writing this movie and what he felt like he had to kind of get away with just to keep the thing pummeling along sure uh, of course right the bridges the bridge the mind bridge is there right to, yeah for story reasons to have the, the protagonist have to get through one last gauntlet before he can escape you know it's it's right. it's no different than for story reasons a few minutes ago in the movie when they're running out of the world trade center and cabby just happens to be driving by again you know perfect um, yes I mean, it's, it's just a perfect example it's how you keep your movie moving along uh but it yeah is. i i mean last week's guest said the same thing you know just blow up the bridge. You know, if you don't want them getting out, why is the bridge even there anymore? But you know, also, I would also. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pete. 
Oh, I was just going to note how clearly unoriginal I am because I did not actually hear that the, your last guest also said Well, well, no, well in all fairness, I'll take that anyway. way. As right. <laughs> those episodes haven't aired yet, so uh, unless... Oh, good. You know, all right. <laughs> all right. And it's just because, like, this came up recently because I was watching um, Handmaid's Tale, another dystopian uh, TV show, piece of media. Anyway, it's kind of like that Handmaid's Tale slash Matrix idea that... You do need to give people a little bit of hope and somehow giving people that little bit of hope in that psychological sense and you allow for a little bit of the rebellion to occur, that somehow it kind of keeps things in balance and in check. And I think that's kind of an interesting point. And maybe I'm you know, ascribing something here additional than really should belong, but that's kind of how I see this is that if you allow a couple of these things in the universe then maybe it gives people enough sense of like, oh, maybe something can happen. Maybe I can get off the island. And maybe you can do some level of control instead of having like a full-scale rebellion, say, you can just give people little like crumbs, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and have it be controlled. Your rebellions are controlled that way. That's right. And, and in this case, it, you could be speaking sort of metaphorically of, of audience rebellion. Like in, in this case, what, the gap between um, sort of what what you can get away with to keep the plot moving forward and what the audience believes is the degree of just sort of verisimilitude of the world that you've built. And I think that's really important in this movie that that the bridge is uh, is walking that line of a set piece that we need for a number of reasons uh, that are more motivated by uh, Carpenter's reasons and a couple of great character reasons uh, that are not great sort of narrative reasons. And and so I, I think that's, what, you know, anything further than this, and the audience would be like, screw it, I'm done with this movie. Like, I just, I'm not even going to sit through the rest of it, even though it's close to the end anyway. Um, and, and so I think he's, I, I think it's sort of a win, even mm. uh, that it's, uh, it's it, it gives us reason to pause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, until I started this show, I really don't think I considered why is the bridge even there? You know, yeah. the, the, yeah. you know in, in universe, the bridge should just be knocked down. It wasn't until I was, you know, really delved into this minute by minute and talking to guests. Right. It's like, yeah, that is an awesome scene. But in reality, they probably wouldn't. Or like Molly says, there would just be, you know, 500 minds in a row that would be impossible to get by. Right. Right. But if, if that's the case, you know, it's interesting because if that's the case, then you have set up a lore in the story that would cause the characters realistically in the in the their world to say that's impassable. We're going to have to do something really crazy to get mm -hmm. to, to do something more than just, you know what, let's just drive it and see if if we can make it. Let's yeah. just, you know, spit in the wind, people. Let's give it a shot. And when you do that, you end up with Escape from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This could have been a destroyed bridge, but a, uh, a like submarine pod uh, <laughs> escape, which I'm so glad they left for the second movie. Uh, calling out uh, our, our latest uh, Isaac Hayes mannerism he put in. We've got another eye twitch in this minute, Molly. So yes. uh, adding that to the count, we get we get just one here, but nevertheless. What I is like the current count? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I should have expected to be asked that, and I should have had that information available. Uh, I will call it up right now. We are now up to nine eye twitches so far. Nine eye twitches. Isaac Hayes. Jesus. I know. What a, what a man. <laughs> you know, I... 
there, if if any, if, if I have ever seen such brooding while driving, uh, I, it is it is in Isaac Hayes here. No, I don't think anybody can can capture that kind of of just desperate intensity to drive that ridiculous Cadillac. I <laughs> if there those chandeliers on the, I mean, it's just it's everything that brings me joy uh, mm-hmm. in in its own ridiculousness. It's it's nuts. It's fantastic and nuts. Cadillac. See, now this is the thing. The Cadillac, I believe every bit of the Cadillac making it across this, quote, mind bridge because <laughs> those Cadillacs, oh, that that's a big, tank. Giant hunk of yeah. American steel there. <laughs> exactly what that is. Yeah. But as we alluded to, uh, while for the first 40 seconds or so of the minute, uh, the mines are not impressive and the big hunk of American steel can withstand it. Unfortunately, at the end of the minute, we see these mines do work, especially if you don't have a giant hunk of American steel. Uh, Brain is telling Snake, you got to jog right, and Snake doesn't do it. Why does he not do it, by the way? Because he's looking at the countdown watch on his wrist to see how much time he's got left. So he misses Brain's direction, and they do hit a mine, and it does blow up. And the problem is the way that they decided to film this explosion, when they show it from behind, the whole inside of the car appears to light up. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we will not find out until tomorrow's minute, of course, uh, exactly what casualties may have arrived from this. But really, this explosion probably should have killed everyone inside this cab, which, as we'll find out tomorrow, is not what occurred. But in a real great piece of... I've never used... I used to use the word lazy sometimes went back on Flash Gordon minute that I did with Brad, was specifically with the screenwriting. It just seemed like, like, oh, whatever. This is... I think the first and probably the only time I'm going to use the word lazy in this movie because I really haven't felt anything lazy about it. But to me, it's a bit lazy that this cab is split, bisected. I mean, it is perfectly cut in half <laughs> by this bomb. It, and that just, one in a million shot, that does not happen. You you didn't take that class in machine shop. Things I learned, like how to split a car in two the right way, right? I mean, come on. And that that car. I mean, we joke about the Cadillac. That that Cadillac is a, is certainly uh, a, a tank. But this is. I mean, this is one of talk about like it, it just hunk of a giant hunk of steel. This is this checker taxi uh, had, had like it's it's survived everything for thirty years right. in in both in the world and in the world. I mean, this this car is is essentially bulletproof, right? And so. Uh, I, I just have I, I found have found that uh, a, a bridge too far, so to speak, in this movie as well. That was too much. I don't know if it's a low budget response. Like I don't know if it's a budgetary thing that they couldn't have mm-hmm. have done more destruction to the to actually show this car. I know that there is some sort of a like just from the story perspective. Like there's we need to turn this broken car into a set piece. Right. And in order to get sort of the reveal of what comes next, but uh, it it just seemed short. Yeah. And I don't actually, I don't mind that it's split in two, even though, I mean, it's it's completely implausible. I think what I would have liked to have seen is just an, an additional step in here to, to just give me a little bit more visual explanation that, okay, this could have happened, you know? And it's just because, you know, the, the ends aren't rough enough, you know, around the split. I can roll with that. There's a lot of bullshit here I can roll with. I just needed to see, and I, I think it was just a matter of, of the set dressing of the actual car, because I can, you know, it's, I can roll with it. I can roll with the explosion came out in the center. I can roll with that for whatever the, the physics, it's split. I just want to see like a little bit more melt on that 
for me to be like, oh, okay, right, right. you know, or well, maybe it you hits know, and ricochets or something, you know. It's it's funny, Molly, because I think they they actually were already working to set that up in the script that there is some sort of vulnerability in this particular car. Like we we have Cabby saying repeatedly, "You're pushing it too hard, Snake." Like you're mm-hmm. you're doing. I know this car. I have been in this car for a long time. I kind of love that character moment that he has a relationship with the car and he's feeling kind of bad that Snake's treating it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I I think they've like like it would have actually done service to their relationship too had they damage the car in a way that was a little bit more authentic Mm, yeah yeah if there was uh, an additional moment earlier on that maybe showed a vulnerability yeah uh, to to make it a little bit more plausible right right and so a little information on the car that the front half of the cab which snake is in slams into this actually is a model of car that is used a lot in other movies this is a 1966 ford mustang and uh this model is the car that james Conn is in at the beginning of misery when he crashes <laughs> um it's used in the tv show stranger things it's used in a lot of uh, mtv videos it was used in straight out of compton so uh for some reason the 66 ford mustang a very popular model uh, to be used in hollywood hmm. oh yeah that's right i mean i have three of them in my collection right? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's an association with freedom, you know, with that. The Mustang, I think, just has mm. this very, I mean, granted, the the early to mid-90s is another abomination. But I think in that classic 60s American steel open road, I think the Mustang really, like, represents, like, a, a, a part of Americana. And so I can see why, you know, it was used as, as prevalently as it has been. Oh, absolutely. I think that's it, it's fascinating then, too, that that's the car that they run into. Like, that's the metaphorical obstacle is mm. this thing that represents that has for decades hence represented freedom. And now you can't get past it because your taxi broke up, blew up <laughs> and, and you ran into freedom. Sorry. <laughs> I love the smoke on this. I just it's. I know it's ridiculous, but there's something about it I've always really enjoyed it, the, the, the level of just complete smoke out and just the slight drop of the back, you know, of their seat is also really wonderful here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is, the thing about that I love so much is that this, the, the way the car breaks up is exactly how I would have broken up this car when I was 12. And I was playing with these cars as a child. Like it would have been broken in half and then it would have slid around just, just like it does in the movie. So it, I don't know, maybe the movie is just making good on my 12 year old uh, fantasies <laughs> of destruction. It's perfect. So the, uh, some differences here in the draft script in this minute uh, that I'll call out. First of all, um, it's not just the Duke chasing them in the draft. There were three other cars from his gang also. Mm. And one of them is wiped out. Uh, in this minute, uh, because they don't take the Dukes of Hazard jump right, and the car actually explodes. Mm. <laughs> oh, convicts! <laughs> <laughs> then we actually get um, what would have resolved all of our concerns about the IEDs in this bridge. This was in the draft script that you actually can see blast holes on the bridge surface. Oh, oh. He would have been able to see oh. his mines had been set off. Mm. And like, and you know, again, we don't know if it was a money thing or a timing thing or whatever. But they, somewhere between draft script and shooting, they elected not to show that on the bridge. Wow, 
That's fantastic. That absolutely would. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it to him. I'll I'll chalk that up as a win. It works. In my head now, mm-hmm. that's how it happened. Uh, then you were mentioning how Cabby, you know, was saying, you know, you're pushing her too hard. Draft script. He does not say that. Um, and when Brain says, you know, I think there's three coming up here on the left. And, you know, Maggie says you think in the script. In the script, it's actually Cabby that says you think. They took that line and gave it to Maggie for some reason. I don't oh. know if that really makes much of a difference. Um, another thing we've got a little bit. We cut to Hawk. Uh, how can Remy actually during the car chase at one point they climb a ladder to get to the top of the wall which we'll see in a few minutes of movie time to watch what's going on Hauk says I see them Remy says is it Pliskin which I'm not sure how they'd be able to tell anyway they, they even with binoculars if they're that far away like you know seeing someone specifically in the car while they're driving fast but all right whatever uh Hauk says what time is it Remy says 20 minutes left Hauk gets on the radio says Cronenberg get over here they're coming across the bridge uh, and so now the last time that we saw the wristwatch in the movie was a couple of minutes ago, movie's time, and it said 23 minutes. So the draft script and the filmed movie, as of now, finally link up in, in time remaining. Uh, previously, there'd been a lot more time remaining in the scripts than there had been in the final movie. But uh, finally, here at the end, it's all linked up. Hmm. And the last item that's different is, as we were just goofing on the car being split in two, that does not happen in the draft script. Uh, the taxi just crashes into a wall when it hits the mine. And wow. it was then in the shooting script, he changed it to being split in half. And the, the script specifically says it's split in half. Hmm. Fascinating. Uh, I wonder why that is. What is the motivation behind that? I think I... I, I um maybe to give us just a greater sense of access to cabbie yeah i mean if it slams into the wall you got to get involved with everybody like opening yeah. doors and getting out exactly inside there you know and i'll talk about this you know the next episode a little bit but i think i'm ascribing some sense of luck to this you know because we have a lot of chance with them going across the bridge with it being mined you know we're going to see that you know the guide that brain has isn't as uh, helpful as one might presume it to be, um, <laughs> right? To, to just you know foreshadow a little bit here, <laughs> but I feel like there's this this sense of like audience relief that you're like, oh wow, you know. Uh, and and again, I'm I'm foreshadowing a little bit. You're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe it. Like this whole thing happened. Like what what's the possibility a car would literally split in two from a mine? You know, and like oh my god, like look, snake looks okay what luck you know that it's just a a part of this and i don't know there's something kind of uh i don't know um serendipity there's a little bit of a little woo to this to me you know of them trying to get across in this way like there's a there's a quickening of the action and and you know if i were this this almost feels a little david lynch these these next couple of minutes that you know in the mystery and and in the escape there's there's also some other kind of supernatural something else going on there's just a little little smidge of it you know what was the word you said there was a little woo a little woo yes is that a little west coast for you like a little you know yeah i was just gonna say i totally truck with that like i'm right (laughs) with you molly i don't know (laughs) woo woo you know it's like uh yeah a little metaphysics yeah, a little metaphysical. It's like okay. you want to get woo woo. You're going to bring out your stones. You're going to bring out some crystals, maybe some essential oils. Oh, it's yeah. more West Coast stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> your fucking pineapple pizza and your crystals gonna, and yeah. shit. That's right. That's right. And you're going to get. You're just. We're just going to go get 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 woo. 
Let's go. Take a drive on the Pacific Coast Highway or something. (laughs) Oh my God, that is lovely. By the way, (laughs) it is lovely. Too many tourists now. No, no. PCH is great. Anyway, look, um... (laughs) I I need to ask a question, uh, an East Coast question. Can I briefly? It might be a bit of an aside. It is. uh, it, It. What is the bridge here? What what was the the bridge like? If we were to say, yeah. now I know this was not <laughs> not shot in New York City, right? Uh, but but I am curious. Like, is there a bridge that is as quaint as this one? <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, in the movie, it's the 69th Street Bridge, which there is no 69th Street Bridge. Uh, it's probably meant to be the 59th Street Bridge, aka okay. the Queensboro Bridge, which is is not a long bridge at all, and it. it Gets you from uh, Midtown East of Manhattan into Queens, uh, and that's most likely what this is supposed to be. And and that bridge can fit two cars abreast of one another because <laughs> this one's real small. Uh, yeah, yes, that bridge has uh, actually it's it's a it's a double deck bridge. And, okay. Um, the the lower deck has two lanes. I, I haven't driven on it in a while. It's two or three lanes on the lower level going each way, and the upper deck is one or two lanes going each way. Okay, quaint. Very quaint. Yes. Uh, so um, if there's nothing else for this specific minute, we are going to, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering if uh, Pete uh, kissed our ass at the beginning there, Molly, uh, knowing what was going to come at the end of this minute. Uh-oh. We are going to call him out right here and now in front of all of our listeners. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, P- Pete is the co-host of The Next Reel, and I've uh, been going back over the last few months and listening to a bunch of their episodes. Uh, his co-host uh, is Andy Nelson, who, of course, was a previous guest on this show also. Uh, they they usually do one movie per episode. Uh, a lot of good stuff. I, I, I really enjoy the show. However, I was listening to an episode from several years ago, and at the end, they like to rank the movie against other randomly selected movies. And I can't remember which movie it was, but the randomly selected movie to rank it against was Escape from New York. And Andy was like, oh, yeah, Escape from New York, good. And Pete proceeded to absolutely rip Escape from New York apart. I mean, just tear it to shreds. It's a horrible movie. You can't like it. And so I was like, oh, okay. This guy's coming on our show in a few weeks. He's going to be a delight. <laughs> Have I told you guys how much I love your show, though? Have we <laughs> talked about that? It's fantastic. No, I we did our show and and Escape from New York. It, it has come up a number of times as it's been ranked. We use the flickchart.com as our ranking tool, which is fantastic. No affiliation. We just love it. <laughs> flickchart.com is great. Um, the, the challenge, when we did our show in 2014, it was episode 155, uh, if anybody cares at all to hear yet you know, an, another um, non-movie by minute perspective, we'll say. Um, it, it. I opened my case on this movie that that I, I said, Andy, Escape from New York, it's a terrible film. And yet I get great joy out of watching it, right? What's up with that feeling about this movie? I. It is, there's so much, like if I, when I sit and watch this movie for the podcast, for this show, like it, it takes a certain leap of faith not to just look at it and say, well, this is ridiculous. So much about this did not age well. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, is, is Snake Plissken really tough enough? Like how well does this really represent Watergate, Mr. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just, I don't like, I, there's so much I don't get. And and we were comparing it to movies like Clockwork Orange, which were in adjusted dollars, made for less, yet had just more of that horrifying city street 
kind of experience. And so I just think low budgets sometimes date science fiction, and uh, that becomes a challenge. And yet, this movie is such an incredible example of being more than the sum of its middling parts. And so when I, uh, like, it it was so easy for me in, in researching the movie to just turn it on and drop everything. Like, it, it, I wasn't planning for anything. I wasn't taking notes. I just got to watch. And when he, when, when Snake hits Slag in the back of the head, <laughs> I damn near stood up and cheered. Like, that's the <laughs> kind of experience that I get with this movie. I, and, and so, sure, yes, I've, I have uh, I have ripped it in in my history of talking about movies, but that's generally in comparison to other movies that uh, are easier not to rip. How's that? <laughs> I think you talked your way out of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, the episode that I uh, listened to uh, for context um, that you're ranking it against was the, uh, your episode where you discussed the movie The Untouchables. Uh, the mm. Oh, yeah. Untouchables. Uh, and so yeah. just for context for the listeners. Yeah, and, and you have to get through. Like, when we do that bit, we're ranking many movies as it right. kind of finds its place on our overall list. And so we get – sometimes we get a little – like, wait, come on. It's a it's a game that demands we play rock, paper, scissors with each other yes. on yes. a podcast. Like, that is the <laughs> dumbest conceit. But it's been with us since we started the show. So what are you going to do? Pete, can you let everyone know where they can find you and your podcasts out in the interwebs? Well, we're pretty easy to find, thenextreel.com. And when you get there, you'll see uh, all of the shows that we do. The easiest uh, way to navigate the site is just to search for a movie and see if we've done it. Everything we've done is by series, so um, you know it's, it's pretty easy to navigate. But uh, we'd love you to check us out, thenextreel.com. Awesome. And thank you. Pete is going to be with us all this week. You can follow us on Twitter at NY Minute Pod, also the Facebook group Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. And I just want to give a, a shout out to KJ Valencic, who does our music, and he just does such like an amazing job. So it's been a while since uh, we've called him out. So I just want to say thank you, KJ. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.